passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of WrestleNomics Radio. I'm Brandon Thurston, broadcasting live and on demand from Buffalo, New York, where today it's Sunday, January 16th, 2022. We have many revelations to make today, many things to reveal, many announcements to make. Uh, but first, I'm joined from my immediate south, uh, advanced placement history uh, student, number one Bills fan, Chris Cole. Hello. Uh, it's great to be here, and uh, yeah, we'll, we will talk a little uh, history uh, in today's episode. We have a huge show. We're, it's going to be one subject, but we're going to go from a lot of angles. We're going to break down the lawsuit that MLW filed against WWE, but we're going to break down all the aspects of it, who's involved, timeline details, and much more on this Sunday morning edition here, if you're watching us on YouTube yes. of WrestleNomics Radio. We're going to take the... Um the New York Times, the daily approach today and try to focus on one subject and go as in-depth as possible. Um, So I I guess, unfortunately, that means that we won't be talking about self-mutilation today. (laughs) As uh, the the Toronto Star published an article with a statement from WWE referring to uh, the December 31st Rampage episode containing the match, the, uh, was it Tay Conti and... um, Anna J, no, yes, Anna J versus the Bucks. It was a tag matchup. And Penelope Ford match where they bled quite a bit. Uh, self-mutilation. Anyway, <clears throat> uh, we have things to reveal. Um, I've, I've joined the men's hair club. My head is now shaved, so there's that. This is, uh, you know, I'm starting to, uh, age has many indignities, and I'm starting to uh, suffer them. So we'll see how this goes. I did have my head shaved in, um, March was it March? Well, it was early in the pandemic. Um, nobody really saw that then, so so I figured might as well. Um, but then I decided to grow my hair back. But now I don't know. I'm getting older, so trying this again. We'll see how it goes. Um, but also we have a big announcement in the world of WrestleNomics is that we have you'll you'll notice if you're watching on YouTube, Chris Gull is not wearing his usual bow tie. Usually he's the no. Tucker he's the Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson doesn't wear the bow tie anymore, but but longtime uh, CNN viewers will remember the days when Tucker Carlson used to wear a bow tie. Not on Fox News, on CNN. But anyway, he is wearing. That's the only thing I have in common with Tucker Carlson. <laughs> anyway, you're you. What are you wearing today, Chris Gall? I am wearing the brand new WrestleNomics T-shirt, as you oh, can wow. see here. Wow! In this wonderful gray design, but it also comes in a white t-shirt it does as well. it does that looks fabulous on you i'm going to uh momentarily un- undo this i i have the white the white version i'm going to i'm going to reveal this like superman here like uh clark kent and superman we have t-shirts that are now 
on, I don't know if we can see it here. There's the white version now on store.postwrestling.com where you can get, you can get not just that, but mugs too. You get t-shirts, the white or the gray, whatever size you get the mugs, which we have here, the mugs, yep. um, the, the logo on the front, the W WrestleNomics logo, uh, our version has it, the, the version that customers will get will be even better. We've enhanced the outline uh, relative to the ones that we're actually holding. But on the other side, on the back side, the information that everyone wants to have handy every morning when they enjoy their coffee or whatever beverage it is that you choose to, to drink out of this is the U.S. TV rights agreement timeline. Now, finally... I know it's been a problem for for people uh, you know, across uh, the, the country and across the world that they haven't uh, had a handy uh, reminder, quick reference, if you will, of what is the U.S. TV rights timeline for WWE Raw, for WWE SmackDown, for AEW Dynamite. This is the most important uh, piece of information, really, in, in all of the wrestling world, the biggest deals in, in uh, all the wrestling industry are, of course, the U.S. TV rights deals. And this mug will show you uh, when those deals expire. The U.S. TV rights timeline for Raw, SmackDown, AW Dynamite. Uh, right, right there, I'll show it to the camera here. This is this is mine. Gullo has it as well. So yes. you can get those on the post-wrestling store. Store.post. I'm sorry. Where's the logo? Where's the URL? Store.postwrestling.com. Right now, right now, I believe they were scheduled to uh, be available at 11 a.m. Eastern. It is now 11:07 a.m. Eastern. So those should be available to order at this very minute. Minute. If you're listening to us live, and of course, if you're listening to us after, you can also get uh, all of your other post wrestling merchandise, including hats and beanies and and dad hats. And pom-pom, how do you say this word, though? Toke? Toke? A toque. 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 Yes, toques. Yes. Yes, lots of other uh, post-wrestling merchandise now, as well as WrestleNomics t-shirts and WrestleNomics mugs. So we are very excited to announce that. And uh, big thanks to uh, post-wrestling, especially to Wei, for helping me set that up. So without any further ado... Got my, my tie back on. I'm back in business here. What do you want to talk about today? Well, we're going to talk about the lawsuit that was filed this week between MLW Media and World Wrestling Entertainment. Yes. So this came out on Tuesday. I uh, got an email alert through my scoops alert, which is some sort of, I forget exactly what it is or how I set it up, but I get an email when there's a World Wrestling, you know, search term, a new case with world wrestling in it. Um, so I have this complaint. We, we'd heard that there was alleged interference between ML, the ML, there was a, an MLW and Tubi deal, apparently, which allegedly WWE in, interfered with. I mean, this is something that uh, Sean Ross Sapp reported on. Um, I don't think all the parties were named in, in, Sean Rossap's original report on the issue, but uh, you know, I had heard through the grapevine that this was 
MLW2B and WWE. So it wasn't a huge surprise that this litigation uh, did come out and this lawsuit was filed. Um, but I had to start quickly reading this you know, 20 page complaint. Um, so and I wanted to make sure I was you know, reading it and understanding it before reporting on it or anything like that. Um, yeah. So, and then uh, MLW Public Relations got in touch with me. Um, we were given a press release that was embargoed until 9 a.m. the following day. But then Reuters just reported it. I, I, don't, I guess uh, MLWPR didn't get in touch with Reuters. Um, so, we, so the story broke on Tuesday night. Um, I've written a summary of the complaint that you can find at patreon.com slash wrestlenomics, uh, sort of explaining the complaint in plain English. What does it say? What are the allegations here? We're going to talk through it as well today. So, yeah, so we'll get right into it here. Uh, so, uh, plaintiff MLW media filed for its complaint, def uh, against defendant world wrestling entertainment. Number one, the action arises out of egregious efforts of professional wrestling company WWE to destroy its competitor MLW's business and maintain its dominance for the U.S. broadcasting market for professional wrestling by unlawfully interfering with MLW's access to media markets and wrestling talent. Number two, MLW, a professional wrestling company that generates cutting-edge professional wrestling content and sells broadcasting right to that content, competes with other wrestling companies, including WWE, through locating and signing up-and-coming wrestling talent, promoting and selling tickets for live events, and broadcasting and licensing wrestling programs. And number three. WWE has dominated the U.S. market for wrestling broadcast content to the tune of 85% of the market since 2001, when it acquired its biggest competitor, World Championship Wrestling, maintaining its dominance through unfair and anti-competitive business practices, including poaching talent, misappropriating confidential information, interfering with co competitors' contracts, and cutting off competitors' access to viewing audiences. So they're definitely tying in some previous uh, stories there as well. Yes. So there's a number of things that they're alleging here. Part, part of what they have to allege we'll get into is that they have to allege that uh, because it's an antitrust lawsuit, they have to allege that WWE has market power, which I believe is similar to um, monopoly power. We'll get into more of that as we talk about the Sherman Act and things of that nature. But we have highlighted here um, WWE has control of 85% of the pro wrestling market. Does that sound right to you, Chris Gallo? Not in today's world. And what market are we talking about? You know what I mean? Are we talking about globally or are we talking domestically? But I mean, pre-AEW, there could be an argument for that. Yes. Um, so what I have here is for the full year of 2021, uh, I have Google Web Search for 17 pro wrestling companies. Obviously, not every pro wrestling company in the world. There's hundreds, if not thousands of those, uh, everything from small to big. But the, these are all the pro wrestling companies that are, I would say, highly recognizable to people who are listening to this program. Um, and it's so for the last year, everybody's monthly average together, and it's 78% WWE. Um, that's not revenue. That's not um, any other form of actual business. It's just web search. But I think web search is a place to start. It it may inform 
what the market share is if um, in lieu of any other metrics. Revenue would be ideal. Um, and we got Major League Wrestling. So 78% for WWE uh, of the web search in 2021 out of, the, out of 17 pro wrestling companies. About 12% for AEW. That leaves 5% for New Japan. This is worldwide, by the way. And then 5% for all the others that I just arbitrarily selected, including Impact, Ring of Honor. Uh, I remember I put NWA in here, AAA, CMLL, um, several others, Stardom, Japanese wrestling companies, NOAA, and so forth. All Japan is in here. Yes, Dragon Gate, DDT. But MLW here out of this pie is, is taking about a quarter of a percent of the web search. To give you an idea of how big MLW is relative to the total, uh, maybe it's the total wrestling industry, but at least the total search activity, perhaps. So, but that's web search. That's not really business. What about revenue? So I just did a rough estimate yesterday and figured, well, let's roughly estimate how much revenue is being made. Um, this could be debated, but um WWE's making about $1.1 billion in 2021. We'll know for sure um, in a couple weeks, in a few weeks when they report, I believe on February 3rd. Uh, I think it's going to be about $1.1 billion. A lot of stock analysts are estimating similar. Um, and we already know what the first three quarters are. Anyway, AEW, I put at about $85 million on the year. New Japan, uh, we have Bushi Road reports. That put the the sports division at I, th I think it's thirty five forty million dollars so thirty million dollars let's say for New Japan and then I put Stardom in here I don't know that Stardom is the fourth highest revenue generator but because Stardom is included in that sports division I can say maybe about five million for Stardom and then to do the other section I said well there's you know I did a quick look at Cage Match Cage Match not a complete record but Cage Match a a big piece uh, of 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 the wrestling events that have that have happened in the year have been recorded on Cage Match I said let's go about 10,000 there's less than 10,000 Cage Match but I said about 10,000 global events uh let's multiply that by let's say 350 paid attendance is the average attendance we could debate on whether that's aggressive or conservative but let's say average ticket price is $35. So that would be substantially lower than the average WWE or AEW ticket price, which is about $55. And we get to 10,000 times 350 times 35 is $125 million. That's live event revenue that doesn't belong to these other four companies. And then I, and then I said, well, let's look at the YouTube revenue that might be being generated by all of these wrestling companies that are not those four companies. And I said, let's say about 2.2 billion views. I think I was looking at some social blade data. Uh, let's say 2.2 billion views with an RPM of $1.10. That's two and a half million dollars in addition to the, to the live event revenue. And let's say just the, the total sum of all the other media deals and consumer products, uh, sales and licensing sales. Uh, is another 25 million. This is highly speculative, but that gets me to 150 million outside of WAW, New Japan, and Stardom. That brings the total rough estimate. You could debate a lot about this, but the rough estimate to about $1.4 billion for the total pro wrestling industry in 2021. And $1.1 out of $1.4 billion is just under 80%. I believe it's 78% or something like that. So... <clears throat> that's 
And uh, what have they got in the, in the, in the complaint here? 85% might be a little high. Uh, it's not like egregiously off though. So. Yeah, we'll talk about number four now uh, in the lawsuit with popularity so these, of these programs. These, just real quick. These numbers are just, um, we'll see a lot of these numbers repeated. They're, they're just paragraph numbers, as people who may know who have read lawsuits. Um, it, it won't be important to, to name the, uh, the paragraphs because we're going to be jumping all over just for the sake of a clear narrative. Let's go ahead. So yeah, number four uh, uh, claim here with the popularity of Debbie's programming programs are declining over the last five years due to, among other things, inferior content. WWE targeted MLW with an unlawful predatory conduct, including airing without authority MLW wrestling footage, inducing MLW wrestlers under exclusive contracts with MLW to terminate those contracts and encouraging MLW wrestlers to breach their contracts with MLW by disclosing MLW's confidential and propriety business information. Yes. So we'll get more into some of those details. There's allegations that WWE interfered with, uh, with one of their talent. They poached talent and compelled one of their talent to uh, expose proprietary information that belongs to MLW. What I want to focus on for now, though, is this very first sentence. With the popularity of WWE's programs declining over the last five years um, due to, among other things, inferior content. Um, the case that they're building here is that along the lines of antitrust, I think, is that, look, this this product, they, they, the w, uh, w is dominating the market. Their product is declining in quality. And uh, they're charging people the same amount or whatever. So it's bad for the consumer, I think, is, is, is sort of the conclusion that you draw or the reason why the, the Sherman Act exists. But anyway, with the popularity of these programs declining over the last five years, would you agree with that, Chris Gull? Is that a true, accurate statement? Uh, I would. I mean, if if you look at uh, ratings, I would say absolutely. Ratings, you you <laughs> anti WWE shill. But that goes for everything. You look at the ratings All TV of is down. Blue Bloods. All TV is down. <laughs> yeah. What about? Are there any other, um, any other metrics that we could point to to say, hey, maybe maybe even TV aside, that they have also been down on an annual basis for a number of years. Be, at least before the pandemic, live attendance. Oh, can you think? Can you think of any uh, any any publication that has made this uh, a, a point of emphasis on a number of occasions? Uh, I, I've I've liked to trot out this series of charts that shows um, in two years in, in 2019 and 2020, RAW declined worse than the rate of the top 50 non-news cable programs uh, that W Network. Uh, that, that is in 2019, 2020. I think I just said that. W Network subscribers stagnated and, and actually fell after 2019 uh, to 2019 and then stagnated thereafter, whereas I think you should have expected streaming subscriptions, uh, a growing form of media, to otherwise grow. That besides, let's say you don't want to believe TV ratings, you don't want to believe uh, you know W Network subs, hey, they didn't go down that badly. Well, we could point to merchandise. We throw away the year of 2020 because that was you know heavily affected by the pandemic but uh from 2017 to 2018 to 2019 uh any merchandise went down due to lower attendance talk about that in a second but yeah also e-commerce sales e-commerce sales of merchandise also declined during those years product licensing revenue declined from 2017 to 2018 to 2019 and also 2020 maybe there's a, there's a pandemic effect there but there's not a pandemic effect from 2017 2018 2019 uh 
attendance, ticket sales, uh, went down from 2017 to 2018 to 2019. Of course, they went down in 2020. Uh, and that's both, that's worldwide, worldwide attendance. And that's both average attendance and total attendance went down in 2017, 2018, 2019. And then we can look at Google web search that's just been down on a, a consistent decline for WWE since 2016. So um, yes, I've often made the point that WWE's popularity has declined quite a bit in the last five years or so. So I would agree with that premise so um now what, what, what this lawsuit focuses on other than the antitrust aspect is it alleges that uh wb interfered uh with a number of mlw media deals uh most importantly the 2b deal uh so there's allegations about wb's ale you know, alleged interference with the mlw deal with 2b with vice tv and even with fight the uh, the streaming pay-per-view provider fight. So we will discuss those things, but we're going to discuss uh, W's market power as well. So I don't know why I put those logos there, but anyway, let's talk about market power. Yeah, well, let's talk about market power here. Uh, W's estimated uh, annual total revenue for 2020 in North America was over $764 million. By contrast, AEW's estimated revenue was $64 million, less than 10% of WWE's. Uh, number 22, in the suit, the combined average annual value of WWE's US TV rates for its programs, WWE Raw and WWE SmackDown alone is $470 million. By contrast, the average annual value uh, value of AEW's US TV rates for its most popular program, Dynamite, is just $43.8 million. Uh, next, uh, number 23 here, WWE SmackDown, WWE Raw, and WWE NXT together average over $4.7 million US television viewers per episode in 2020, with an average ratings in the important 18 to 49 demographic of 0.575, 0.5075 and 0.206 respectively. By contrast, AW Dynamite's average 810,755 US television viewers per episode in 2020 with an average rating of 0.344 in the 18 to 49 year demographic and impact averaged 154,038 US television viewers per episode in 2020 with an average rating of 0.03 in that demographic. Yes. So let's run through a fact check here uh aew's estimate so the revenue from of 2020 in north america was over 764 million that sounds about right i don't know if that's in their filings i don't know that they actually break it down by region anymore but they made just under a billion i believe it's 974 million dollars in 2020 um aew's estimated revenue was 64 million dollars is that accurate in 2020 I don't know. Has anybody reported that? Uh, not that I know of. Hmm. Let's see. Let's see if I can find any any uh, any uh, re reporting to back that up here. Let's see here. If I go to the the Russellomics industry report and I uh, I scroll and scroll to the uh, I think it's in here the finances section. Uh. Let's see. Company finances. And there we have AEW, $64 million is what I estimated for 2020. So, yes, I think there's some some Russellnomics being relied on here for this for this uh, complaint. Um, so the uh, $470 million for Raw and SmackDown, $43.8 million for AEW Dynamite. 
uh, those are I I don't know if I would phrase it as AW Dynamite at this point because Rampage is now included in that. Uh, who knows when this was written? But those are, I think, well-established public facts. Um, the uh, the seventy-seven point four. I'm sorry, four point seven million dollars across Raw, SmackDown, NXT. That's that's all. I would agree with that. I, I checked the, the spreadsheet, um, and then we've got uh, these demos. They line up close close enough. Um, the impact numbers too, I think, are being. Uh, I think there's there's WrestleNomics being cited here too because I don't know that those are being reported anywhere else uh, for the impact doing you know averaging 154,000 viewers and a .03 in the demo. So so there's that. Uh, there are no footnotes here saying where this information has gotten from, but maybe in the future there will be. We'll see. But anyway, so that all sounds about right. Uh, again, this is part of MLW having to make the argument that WWE has market power or monopoly power. All right. Um, we did get a couple super chats uh, here. Uh, back to the antitrust, Tim B. Uh, thank you for your super chat. Uh, he asked, uh, correct me, correct if wrong, but antitrust lawsuits are aromatically three times the damages by law. I would have to ask. I've, I've talked to, I've been in touch with three different lawyers and then just showed them the complaint and got some thoughts. Uh, that was not mentioned, but I will check on that. Thank you. And since we're, on this, since we're on this topic of programming, our team machine uh, gave us a return and asked, do you guys watch WWE weekly programs like Raw, NXT, SmackDown? And also, do you guys watch Impact Wrestling? I could say for myself, I don't watch weekly. A lot of times I will catch up on my content on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I'll see what happened. What did I miss? Um, I put it on sometimes. I will put on Raw on mute sometimes. Um not every week, some weeks, yeah, NXT and SmackDown, similar. Um, I will put on Dynamite and Rampage and usually watch more of those than, especially without the mute, uh, without mute on. So thank you for the super chat. By the way, you guys are great on YouTube. Lots of conversation uh, happening between the uh, listeners too. So very busy morning here at uh, WrestleNomics. Cool. So Tubi, we'll talk about Tubi next and and what exactly MLW alleges happened between itself, Tubi, and WWE. Tubi, what what is Tubi, Chris Gull? It's one of your favorite streaming services, I know. So tell tell us all about it. Tubi is a streaming service. Um, For the most part, it's a lot of older TV shows and movies. Uh, but it, it, you know, it was recently, you know, recently acquired by Fox, uh, and there's, yeah, there's ads. So like, you know, if you watch like an old pro, like, uh, use, for example, Santa with muscles is on there. Mm. So if you watch Santa who's, with who's muscles, the star of Santa you're, you're going to get in <laughs> Hulk, Hogan. Hulk Hogan, you're going to get interrupted with ads. Yes. Multiple times. It's one of the uh, fast for, for that. It's one of the fast streaming services. What does fast stand for in this context? Uh, that I do not know. Free ad supported streaming television. Um, that makes sense. What What are some other fast streaming services? Uh, Pluto TV. Pluto TV. You could argue that Peacock uh, is there's a there's you don't have to pay to watch Peacock to an extent. Crackle. Crack. Oh, Crackle. Is it? Yeah, I believe so. I know it's free, and I believe there's ads. Yeah. Okay. So is there? You actually use Tubi. 
I have before. I don't use it on a daily basis, but it's there. It's on my Roku. Roku TV is another one, by the way. Um, but it's uh, it, it's it's on my Roku. And what I do is like if I'm trying to find like an obscure movie or television show, I'll go to JustWatch.com. You type it in, and sometimes Tubi TV is the only thing that holds it. Boom, click Tubi. There you go. Um, is there a live linear stream on Tubi, or is it only video on demand? I. I believe, I mean, last time I checked, I believe it's only on demand, but it may be like a lot of those fast channels where they have like those streams of like the news channels and stuff like that going, but I'm not sure. Because there's, there's an aspect related to NXT here that the notion that the show is going to be happening on Tuesday night that we'll get into in a moment. But anyway, yes, Tubi is owned by Fox. Uh, Fox acquired it in March 2020 for $440 million, according to this report that we're referencing from The Wrap. Um, <clears throat> and then we have the narrative from the complaint here uh, where uh, MLW starts to explain what it alleges happened between uh, MLW, uh, 2B, and and, uh, and WB. Um, so Fox, we should point out, let me make clear, I'm sure just about everybody's aware, but the, there's a relationship. You know, Fox owns Tubi. WWE has a relationship with Fox, as we know, because it's the broadcaster SmackDown. So, so tell us what what uh, what MLW alleges here. All right. Before I do, yes, Tubi does much like Pluto have like a bunch of channels, like Bloomberg, and there's a Fox Sports channel and whatnot that has uh, live streaming. Uh, going on um but yeah so uh WWE pressures to be determinated its contract with mlw on july 22nd 2021 mlw entered into a lucrative deal with tubi an ad supported streaming service owned by fox to air mlw programs documented in a license agreement under the license agreement um and then we have that blocked up the license agreement was valid and enforceable in the state of california where tubi is headquartered California is also home to two of the largest national media markets, the Los Angeles and San Francisco Bay Area media markets, which together com- compromise the largest media market in the United States. Okay. So there's a lot of talk here about California. This lawsuit, which we haven't pointed out yet, is filed in the Northern District of California. So MLW is attempting to sue WB in California uh, and to argue that it's justifiable that they're suing them there there is first of all Tubi is headquartered in california so that's the most obvious reason but they're also mentioning how important it would be for them to be in these big media markets of of la and san francisco um what we're going to see is in all likelihood first w responds by motion to dismiss by saying you know that the the this isn't uh these aren't good allegations and then they're probably going to motion to change the venue uh one lawyer I talked to believes that it's very favorable for MLW to have this uh, this lawsuit litigated in California because the you know, in California uh, the judges will be more liberal. There may be you know it's going to be easier for MLW to argue all the things that it's going to argue here uh, if it's in California. W will try to get the case moved to perhaps Delaware, where both WWE and MLW are incorporated. Many major corporations like to be incorporated in Delaware. I think just for you know business reasons, I think there's favorable there's favorable re- regulations there or lack thereof. Um they may banking capital of the United States. Is it is that what's happening there? Yeah. yeah. 
they, they could motion even to move it to Connecticut, where, of course, WWE is headquartered. Where I think WWE's had a lot of success moving um, when they've been able to move lawsuits to Connecticut uh, or even New York, which is where MLW is is located. Um, so, yeah, I, I will expect much litigation over where this lawsuit should be uh, should be further argued. So moving on more more on the Tubi story. So number 41 here in this suit, uh, the license agreement had a profound impact on MLW's business, greatly increasing the company's valuation strength and it in its brand strengthening of its brand recognition, including among viewers of Fox television and NFL football and making the company more attractive to new wrestling talent to be benefited because it would have new modern wrestling profession, new modern professional wrestling content on its platform. Number 42, after the license agreement was executed, MLW began preparing two live events, including a fusion wrestling performance that was set for September 11, 2021. In preparation for the to-be-televised event, MLW rented space at the Nitex Sports Center. The second live event was scheduled to take place in Mexico for an Azteca wrestling performance. Number 43, MLW also took ste- other steps to prepare to be programming, including hiring staff for MLW's Azteca Underground Series, hiring editors, a public relations agency, and a marketing consultant, signing several new wrestlers and increasing salaries. MLW also ceased all other talks with other potential partners in mid-July 2021. And then the rest of the, of the sentence is finished, to our view, with these black bars. What are those about, Chris Gallo? Uh That has to have been <laughs> that, that I do not know, but I'm you, assuming Chris some Gullo, other partners. You, you've been with us for almost a year. This is your first. This is a big moment. This is your first encounter of a redaction. Congratulations. Uh, this, this, it's explained. There's a, there's a separate filing here explaining why they want certain things redacted because there's, they, they argue there's trade secrets, the proprietary information that they want to protect. Um, they're, ref- I would guess that they're referring to another non-party media partner that they ceased uh, having negotiations with that, you know, plausibly they would have continued to negotiate with had they not been making a deal with Tubi. Any guesses with what that company might be would be purely speculation on our part, but perhaps to zone. Um, now, um, the other, other things in here that I think are interesting is, uh, this, this sentence about, uh, strengthening its brand recognition on Fox television and NFL football. Are we to believe that MLW was promised that because it was making a deal with Tubi that on Fox, NFL broadcasts, MLW would be promoted somehow. Um, maybe I find that that would be surprising if that was really going to happen. But uh, there's that. And then there's uh, there's all of these descriptions of all the things that they did because they thought they were making a deal with Tubi. They booked the Nitex Sports Center, which is in the Dallas-Fort Worth area for an event that ended up being canceled. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, they hired all these people. They spent all this money because they thought they were going to make a deal with Tubi. Things were going to be great. They were, uh, you know, they were going to do this show on September 11th. So moving on into the real drama. Yeah, here we go. Number 44. In advance of the highly anticipated September 11, 2021 launch date, Tubi and MLW agreed to issue a joint press release on August 10th, 2021 to an- announce the party's new agreement. Uh, next point here, 45, prior to Tubi and MLW issuing the joint release, WWE leaned, uh, learned about the terms and existence of the license agreement. 
On or about August 9, 2021, WB Executive Stephanie McMahon spoke with a 2B executive located in California about the license agreement. Ms. McMahon initially pressured the 2B executive to deny MLW a time slot that would compete head-to-head with WB's NXT programs on Tuesday night. But Ms. McMahon ultimately pressured the 2B executive and other senior executives at Fox to terminate the agreement in its entirety. 2B's affiliate Fox could lose WB's business or preferred content if 2B did not acquiesce to WB's demand and terminate its agreement with MLW. On August 9, 2021, the night before a planned press release about the, the 2B about the 2B MLW deal. As a result of WWE's pressure and interference, MLW received a letter uh, perpetrating uh, to terminate the license agreement. Uh, number 46 here, thus, with wanton reckless disregard of MLW's rights and antitrust laws, WWE intentionally and unlawfully interfered with the performance of the license agreement and procured its termination. WWE purposely directed its communications to Tubi in California in order to disrupt MLW's relationship with Tubi and to cut off MLW's access to and competition in major national media markets. Once again, sorry if I mispronounced a couple words there. Not every day do I read lawsuits. <laughs> what, 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 what words were, were difficult? I think, um, so. I, okay. not that, I think I may have... Um, uh, purpo- I think it said perpetrating, but I think it's purporting. I might have terminate uh might have said that different what, 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 what line is that in they're numbered I'm uh and, uh it's the last line before number 46 mlw received a letter purporting to terminate purporting um okay, okay. so it it might be the case it, it makes it sound like stephanie mcmahon w purely interfered to mitigate a good deal for its competitor um According to one lawyer who I spoke with, it was it was suggested that it might be the case, depending on how to be worded this, that if this happened some, somewhat like it is alleged to have happened, that maybe WWE went to Tubi and said, hey, we don't want to be associated with this other brand, MLW, because of X, Y, and Z reason. I mean, you can see there was, there was comments uh, that, that people saw yesterday uh, published in the, in the Toronto Star. This is, of course, related to AEW, not MLW. but um, I don't know if, if MLW has been particularly violent um, <laughs> to the extent that AEW has, but they could have plausibly, whether whether they're, you know, compelling reasons or not to you and me, they could cite reasons why they wouldn't want their brand to be associated with another brand uh, of sports entertainment like MLW, besides the fact that they're a competitor, um, which might be, might be a legal business reason. Um, there's the, the line in here about uh, deny MLW a time slot that would compete head to head with W's NXT programs on Tuesday night. How does a program compete head to head if it's on Tubi, if Tubi doesn't have a live stream, doesn't have a linear stream? Yeah. I'm not sure what they're talking about there. Maybe it was going to be released on Tuesday, I suppose. I mean, in the, in the case of Roku, um, which now has archival New Japan content, I believe that's released every Friday. Lord knows if anyone's watching it, but I believe that's released every Friday. So maybe it was the release time and maybe they were arguing that uh, releasing it on Tuesday night would, you know, would compete with NXT. Maybe that's what they're getting at there. Um, maybe that was what was being 
part of what was being raised by Stephanie McMahon to Tubi, if this happened as they described. Um, and uh, the, the, this bit where ultimately she just convinced them to kill the deal altogether. Um, it, it almost makes it sound like, and maybe we'll, we'll learn more about what, what happened or didn't happen as time goes on here, but uh, it almost makes it sound like she went to, she, you know, she spoke with them under the pretext that she was, she was going to try to have them, uh, dissuade them from allowing NLW to compete with NXT on, a, on that sort of head-to-head basis. And then ultimately just sort of t- you know talked them into not doing the deal at all. Um, I know there are, and I don't think we're, we're reading the, um, the excerpts that pertain to this today, but I know there are there. I've, I've heard others who are explaining this lawsuit to their audiences refer to the notion that WWE threatened to pull SmackDown. Uh, that is not explicitly stated, uh, but there, there is some mention of they would pull important program or something to that effect. Um, Again, how real is any of this? How much of this happened as as it is alleged? It is merely an allegation. But um, did did WWE threaten to pull Fox over an MLW 2B deal? That would seem extreme. Uh, I I doubt it happened just like that. But yes, you have something. Here's a theory. (laughs) If this is true, it's just a theory. Tying back to a prediction I had. Yes. Maybe... WWE tells Fox that they will not consider Tubi as a potential partner in the next day air rights for mm. Raw and SmackDown and NXT when Hulu when the Hulu agreement ends because we as we talked about that's most likely being negotiated this year. I suppose. I mean, the reason why I'm skeptical about your prediction, Go, that that uh, the next day rights, which are currently owned by Hulu of Raw, SmackDown, NXT, the reason why I'm skeptical that those will go to Tubi is because I, I imagine Tubi. I know Tubi. Uh, when, when you look at the Wikipedia page, and who knows what it's referencing? Maybe it is referencing an SEC filing, but something like 43 million users. Um, I just feel like Tubi's profile is too low to give W the reach that it that it wants and that it could otherwise get. Um, merely by staying with Hulu, for example. Um, Amazon Prime is in, you know, most households, I think, are Amazon Prime mm-hmm. households. Um, or even there's a there's an obvious synergy in, in putting those rights on Peacock as well. Who knows though? Um there are there are more reasons than just reach for making a deal, including including things like money and payments. But we we'll see. We should to to catch everybody up here, we should be seeing an announcement about where those next day rights are going to land sometime this year, I would think. Um sometime this year we should be hearing about that. And I would I would guess that there's there's a really good chance that those do not stay with Hulu. Um so there's there's the two B allegations. And like everything else that we're going to talk about here, yes what? Real quick before we move forward, we do have a couple of but one that ties into this. Uh, um, Raps are uh, asked, is there an agreement in WWE's deal with Fox that does not allow any Fox media property to engage with a, another wrestling promotion? So maybe somebody missed that and they're like, hey, we have this agreement. here." It's possible. We don't we don't know. And then maybe that's something that will be pointed to in whatever W's responses. Um, one of the interesting things that's could that could unfold here and i would think there's a pretty good chance that you know w's not going to settle this easily unless unless mlw does have a great case um we might see a lot of discovery discovery is uh these parties bringing forth evidence and documents that will become public and you've got people like me just 
wait, waiting, waiting for that stuff to come out and talk about it. Um, it's, it's plausible that, that maybe the Fox agreement comes forward. We've never seen, um, any of these big TV rights contracts public before. Um, maybe that's something that we see. It's, it's possible that that's, that that's part of it. Uh, we shall see. Um, and then this is a general uh, super chat question from our team machine earlier in the uh, chat. He asked, what did you guys watch back in the Monday Night Wars, Raw or Nitro? I was Nitro until about 99, <laughs> and then I moved to Raw. I, I, th- I think I was mostly mostly Raw. Um, I mean, I did definitely did watch quite a bit of Nitro, too. Um, but it was clear at a certain point that, uh, you know, WF was, was having the the – more interesting show and WCW was, was sort of a, uh, a wandering, meandering, uh, you know, creative uh, dysfunction. But, but yeah, it was, uh, I watched them both, I would say. I wasn't really into it until about 98 or so. I do remember like watching in 97, uh, Bret Hart getting booed as a, as a heel and, and being really upset about that. Why are people booing Bret Hart? But anyway, anyway, thank you for the super chats. All right. And we'll move on here. And, and just real quick. So, what what I'm alluding to, uh, you know, a moment ago about, you know, maybe we'll see some things come out here in Discovery. You know, a- a- MLW doesn't have any um, evidence here yet. Um, not that, not that they need to to file this complaint, but but if this gets to Discovery, what what evidence is there to back any of these allegations up? Are there emails that will be subpoenaed uh, that that MLW will will be able to get to be included a, a, as part of this case? Are there emails between, let's say, WWE and Tubi? or Fox that, uh, harm W's defense. Uh, that's, that's the big question. They will need evidence and we'll see how far it gets. Um, so, and, and just, I wanted to point out to, um, so I went to social blade, social blade is this, this website where you can see a lot of, uh, social media analytics. What social blade is doing basically is it's going every day to the about page on, on everybody's YouTube page and counting the number of video views. So if you delete, videos, those are subtracted from your video view count that's on your about page. So it will appear as if you have negative views on a, on, on a day that you deleted a lot of videos. So that's what we have here uh, for MLW, where they, they went through a, n- a number of uh, dates here where they have negative uh, video views and where they have, you know, super abnormally positive video views, which means they probably re-added some videos that were previously made private or you know, I'm, I shouldn't be saying deleted, but they were probably made private or unlisted. And I imagine that they, I'm just guessing here, that they were removing at least some content from YouTube, from public access on YouTube, because they were making a, a some sort of media deal that was contingent on that. So what we see is in March. So this was, this deal is um, said to be, have, have been made in July. We have the exact date here back here um, to be, on July 22nd, Tubi and MLW entered into an agreement. Uh, so July 22nd. And I don't know that any, any of this really lines up with that. You know, if, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see the line chart. And I've called out various states where the, you know, where the, the, the spikes are really high or really low. Um, so maybe in advance of that, that deal being made in July, they did rem- remove something like four and a half million video views worth of content on May 16th. Uh, then they then they removed another million in June. On June 10th, they re-added almost a million a few weeks later. Um, they removed another one and a half million on August 3rd, uh, just before 
this drama with Stephanie is alleged to have happened on August 9th, on or about on or about August 9th. And then in September, on September 6th, perhaps after you know the 2B deal is now out of reach, it was alleged to have been terminated on August 10th. And then September 6th, they re-add 6 million video views worth of content. But then sort of recently, it's about two months ago, on November 14th, they removed another 8 million video views. So I don't know. These are just clues about what might be happening in, in, in the world of W or of, of MLW media deals. Maybe they've removed content again to, tr- you know, to try to appease a potential business partner, but who knows? We move on to vice. Yes. And, uh, continuing to go through this lawsuit, number 61 as alleged herein. In the spring of 2021, MLW announced that it had an agreement with Vice for the airing of older MLW programs on Vice platforms. At the same time, MLW was negotiating a media rights deal with Vice that would have resulted in an array of MLW programs airing on Vice platforms. Next point, 62. In June 2021, after WWE learned about the growing relationship between Vice and MLW, WWE executive Levinson warned a Vice executive to stop airing MLW programs saying that Vince McMahon was pissed that Vice was airing MLW content. At the time, WWE knew that Vice needed continued acquiescence, uh, if not cooperation from WWE for purposes of ongoing coverage of professional wrestling, and that this gave WWE leverage in discussions with Vice. And the next point here, 63, the Vice executive responded to Levison, I think that's illegal what you're doing, and that is probably an antitrust violation. Levison responded that she could not control McMahon. Yes, this is the word you're searching for there. Uh, This doesn't sound like Vince McMahon at all. So this is clearly preposterous, right? (laughs) I I wonder how many times the word pissed has been used in a lawsuit. Oh, plenty of times, I'm sure. (laughs) It's it's quote quote unquote pissed. Yeah, I'm I'm sure people have been quoted as being pissed a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so... I've underlined here on on the on the slide in June 2021 because uh, in June 2021 in May on May 26th I reported that uh, Susan Levinson was was laid off from WWE. Um, I mean maybe their timeline is not exactly correct here, uh, or maybe she was just in June uh, finishing up her duties. I don't know. Uh, Su- Susan Levinson is the who we're referring to here is the head of w was the head of w studios and a senior vice president for wb um w studios is in la that that office this was uh so she was laid off as part of the consolidation of the tv department and the advanced media group and w studios so they felt like they were they had you know they just had redundancy across these three departments that they didn't need so a lot of people were laid off some 60 or more i reported at the time um so who knows what's happening here? Maybe was this really in June? Was this in May? And it's not not exactly correct on the timing. I don't know, but but anyway. Uh, so what? Uh, let's let's yeah. You go ahead and read this this last paragraph. Call on uh yeah. Okay, here. Um, yeah. So uh, number uh, you're talking about number sixty four in the suit, correct? Correct. Uh, as a result of WWE's threats to Vice, Vice stopped engaging 
in discussions with MLW about an expanded media rights deal. While Vice subsequently aired one MLW program in the fall of 2021, thus was far smaller than the broad media rights deal the parties had been discussing before WWE's interference. The media rights deal would have resulted in expanded profits and marketing opportunities for MLW. Yes. So in the case of Vice, uh, what's also mentioned in this uh, suit uh, which, which we, I did not include in the slides, is that so what leverage? Why would why would somebody from WWE be calling Vice and telling them not to make a deal with MLW, as is alleged? Um, WWE has no relationship with Vice, right? I mean, not that I know of. Uh, I don't think WWE would probably be a fan of Dark Side of the Ring <laughs> that airs on Vice. But they did allow. They did allow. They did allow Jerry McDevitt. <laughs> They did allow uh, – where, where, where is our friend here? There he is. They did allow Jeremy McDivitt to participate in that episode about the steroid trial. Jeremy McDivitt, I think, was the, the star of any of the episodes I, I saw, which are not many of them. But I thought that was an awesome episode. But anyway, um, and I, I think Bruce Pritchard has participated in, in, in these episodes too. Is that correct? Uh, Pre-WWE. Pre-WWE. Okay. Well, so what's alleged in this complaint? And, and, and it is true. That A&E, the network A&E, company A&E, owns 20% of Vice. Apparently, Vice used to be this uh, like History Channel 2 or something like that. Does that sound right? You would know something like that, I think. Uh, um, I believe so. So A&E owns, but- owns, a, owns a, a, a stake in, in Vice. And in this complaint as well, it is said that A&E owns the majority, a majority stake of Vice's production operation, whatever that means. On a cursed Google search, I couldn't find evidence of that. But maybe, but maybe that's true. Uh, so A&E, does WWE have any relationship with A&E? Yeah, that re- recent sure agreement for two programs, the biographies and the uh, treasures. Right, right. So, And we don't know if that's – if that we're going to get like another season of biographies or hidden treasures or whatever. But there was, there was at least – there was that relationship in 2021. Um so, you know, maybe there is leverage there because of the ownership that A&E has uh, in, in, in Vice and supposedly Vice's uh, production operation. Uh, suffice to say, though, that the, the allegations, you know, if there's evidence to back it up, if there's, if there's good evidence to back up that the, that the 2B story happened the way that it did, um, I think that's the heart of the case. And these other allegations... I don't know. I'm not so sure about. We could also point to, and maybe McDivitt will, and I think he already has in a in a comment that was made to the Observer. I think it was made to the Observer. Uh, I'm not not sh- not sure. Sometimes when when the Observer is quoting people originally and when they're referencing, but you could look at well, maybe maybe Vice had legitimate business reasons to not continue its relationship with MLW. MLW had a Flightland special, so MLW had in May reruns, approximately five weeks of reruns on MLW. I don't have ratings data for that. But they did have those. That was old content, old episodes of Fusion. Then in October, after this, this alleged should have happened, by the way. But after October, it was just one occasion. They did a, a one-hour special called Flightland uh, on a Thursday night, following an episode of Dark Side of the Ring. We reported at the time it had forty thousand viewers uh, at at ten, so late, where you expect viewership to be lower than it was earlier. Uh, Dark Side that night with the Bruiser Bedlam episode, had 137,000 viewers. MLW Fightland followed it with 40,000. So uh, 
McDivitt will point out later, it did not maintain half the audience for what that's worth. Uh, but what I think is more, uh, more noteworthy is that the four week, uh, what, what did I write here? Without a history of data on Vice, it's hard to evaluate the MLW numbers. However, in the last four weeks, on Thursday at 10 p.m., the average total viewership on Vice, again, at 10 o'clock in that time slot, four weeks before Fightland aired, the average viewership was 63,000 and 29,000 in the demo. Okay, 63,000 total, 29,000 in the demo. Fightland did 40, not 63, but 40,000. Okay, but maybe in the demo it did better? Well, no. Uh, the four weeks prior to Fightland in that time slot did 29,000. 29,000. Fightland did 16. So it wasn't like this did great ratings. Now, this is a small volume. This is a, a, a program that did smaller viewership, both both in, in, in the case of the Fightland airing and in the case of whatever was on Fight Vice before. Um, and maybe there's inaccuracies in, in, in the in the Nielsen measurement because the sample is so small because we're talking about a program that does not have very high viewership under a hundred thousand. It gets, it gets pretty blurry, I think. Um, but nonetheless, it's not like it obviously did a better than usual rating for vice in this time slot. Uh, I would expect this to be raised by one Jerry McDivitt in his response. Uh, but moving on to fight. Yeah, we'll move on to fight here. And, uh, Number 37 uh, in, in the lawsuit, and paragraph 37, around this same time, Fight, a streaming service focused on combat sports, approached MLW with a media rights offer that would have paid MLW for providing wrestling programs to Fight. MLW immediately agreed to discuss the terms of the deal, but Fight then abandoned it. MLW later learned that Fight's executive advisor of corporate development, Greg Bernard, was at the same time working for WB as senior vice president of strategy and operations, along with Fight's past use of WB content and WB's ongoing attempts to disrupt MLW opportunities, further illustrates WB's dominance and unfair competition in the market. Yes. Um, it doesn't say that... Uh... So this is alleging that uh, senior vice president of strategy and operations at the time, Greg Bernard, who's no longer with WB, by the way, as of, I believe, June, according to his LinkedIn profile, he was, according to this, also working as the executive advisor of corporate development. Uh, it just leads one to infer, I guess, that there was some sort of interference there that, uh, you know, that because he was an employee of WB and also working in some capacity, apparently, supposedly, for fight that maybe pressured or someone pressured uh, – fight to not to uh, make a deal with MLW. But there's no evidence of that at this point. Maybe there will be later. Um but it according to this it further illustrates W's dominance of unfair and unfair competition in the market. Okay. So again, the the heart of this complaint is 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 the 2B story. And all this other stuff is sort of, you know, they're throwing throw everything in there and get 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 all your grievances in there and and we'll see what what works. Yeah. I think one thing too that 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 McDivitt will argue for this fight point is the amount of wrestling content that fight does broadcast that you could consider competition to WWE. They uh, air AEW's international pay per views, like so not domestically but globally. They aired Game they Changer aired Wrestling, a- plus. among other AEW Plus. They aired Dynamite and Rampage, right? <laughs> yes. International. Yeah, so you know they they air multiple wrestling programs. Uh, through a ton of promotions on the independent level in AEW, so like, I I think this might be the far most far fetched point. 
but it's not as if all of these points have to be winners, I suppose. Only maybe some or one of them does. Anyway, let's talk about the Sherman Act. You're you're an AP history student. Tell us about it. Yes, uh, the, the Sherman Act, which was uh, it came uh, because of Rockefeller and other uh, major business moguls basically gobbling up all their competitors and dominating the markets. But yeah, Section Two of the Sherman Act. At its core, Section Section 2 makes it illegal to acquire or maintain monopoly power through improper means. The longstanding requirement for monopolization is both, one, the possession of monopoly power in the relevant market, and two, the willful acquisition or maintenance of that power is distinguished from growth or development as a consequence of a superior product, business acumen, or historic accident. Mm -hmm. So... That's that's part of the lawsuit here. And uh, what MLW is asking for is for uh, it to be declared that W has violated Section 2 of the Sherman Act. It has used its monopoly power to uh, to harm competitors. The relevant market here is obviously the pro wrestling industry. Um, I think we will see, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see McDivitt try to undermine that. I wonder if we'll see Jerry McDivitt talk about how, how great a competitor. Well, we've got, meanwhile, on one hand, we've got, uh, executives downplaying the degree to which AW is a competitor. Um, I wonder if we'll see Jerry McDivitt talk about what a strong competitor AW is and how AW and W are in, you know, in the same business and the same industry. Um, this would have, you know, it would be easier to make an argument like this that W has market power, has monopoly power, if we were talking about this in 2018. In 2022, yeah. This will be harder to argue when, as this this lawsuit notes, the uh, the you know the eighteen forty nine viewership, for example, between WWE and AEWs, you know, it, it, oh, just just this past this just this past week, WWE and AEW had the same demo rating in eighteen forty nine. Uh, Dynamo was two thousand viewers off of Raw in eighteen to forty nine this week. So, yes, we will we will. Like all these other things, we'll see how this unfolds. Um, Let me ask you this though, for McDivitt, would it is the better argument that hey, we're not in the professional wrestling business, we're a sports entertainment company, or hey, we're not a monopoly, we have all this great competition? I don't think they can deny that they're in the in the, the wrestling business, or um, because they're going, going to want to say, you know, uh, things like hey, look, all these other companies, AEW made a media deal, why can't you? Uh, there's all these other wrestling companies that are on fight, why can't you be on fight? Uh, maybe we could have interfered with uh, Dark Side of the Ring, but uh, Jeremy did cooperate. <laughs> um, yeah, I think to to uh, undermine MLW's argument, they sort of have to uh, acknowledge that there are other wrestling players in the world, and they are similar to those players in some way. Okay. All right. Um, so we'll move on to more paragraphs here. Uh uh, paragraph number 69, WWE's predatory efforts to prevent MLW from broadcasting its licensing programs on media platforms such as Vice TV and Tubi were done with specific intent to attempt to monopolize the relevant market in violation of Section 2 of the Sherman Antitrust Act. Uh, number 70, WWE is the dominant competitor in the market. WWE's dominance and high barriers to entry in the market and give it ability to control prices and exclude competition in the market. And uh, number 71, WWE's unfair business practices include, among other things, cutting off com competitors' access to viewers and licensing opportunities 
interfering with contracts, poaching talent, eliminating price competition, and misappropriating and attempting to misappropriate confidential information of its competitors. As a result of WWE's anti-competitive conduct, WWE is unlawfully restrained and undermined competition, thus maintaining and building its dominance of the relevant market and threatens a dangerous probability of success at monopolizing the relevant market. Mm-hmm. They've almost won the Monopoly board game. Uh, I should have had you read this first before we discuss the uh, the Sherman Act. Is, is, there, is there a motorcycle parade happening outside your house right now? I was wondering if you could hear that. I'm pretty sure my <laughs> wife is making smoothies. I'm so sorry. Okay, okay. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, I don't know if the listeners can hear it, but I can hear it. Uh, so uh, let's let's move on to, to the next slide where we talk about the the alleged poaching that W is doing of talent of, of MLW's fighters, as they call them. Yeah, uh, paragraph 79, as described herein, the WWE has a history of attempting to unfairly compete against MLW. In 2020, WWE attempted to poach MLW's talent and aired footage of one of MLW's fighters without authorization or consent. WWE has also attempted to induce MLW's wrestlers to breach their contracts and reveal confidential and propriety information about MLW's business. Yes. So... I don't know what what fighters they're they're referring to. Can you think of any fighters who have left MLW recently and have gone to WWE? I cannot. Hmm. I mean, man, maybe I'm missing something. Like, uh, I mean, I know some that have gone to AEW, but did did uh, did Harry Smith go? He was working for MLW and then WWE. Um, yeah, that's still yeah. That would be the only one I could think of. But who knows? Um, so that's, that's everything from the complaint itself that we're going to talk about. Um, so that, again, this complaint came out this past Tuesday night, uh, MLW had a press release ready to go because I, th- I think this is, this is not just a lawsuit. Certainly it is a lawsuit, but it is also, I think a branding opportunity for ML- MLW. So, uh, we have a press release that went out Tuesday night with, Quotes, uh, it basically a really brief summary of the uh, lawsuit and then uh, a quote from MLW's CEO, Court Bauer. WWE has been wrongfully depriving its competitors of critical opportunities for many years, but its latest conduct has been even more unconscionable, said MLW CEO Corp Bauer. I think we speak for the rest of the professional wrestling world when we say that this anti competitive behavior has to stop. Yes. So there's that. And then we've got. In the Observer, I think original quotes from Jerry McDivitt. I have not seen the full lawsuit since WWE has not been served, said Jerry McDivitt the uh, day after the story broke. If Tubi breached, then sue Tubi. As device, Tubi has no commercial relationship with them uh, or any, or for any for that matter, uh, any other dozens of content distribution entities LLW could do, deal with if they had a commercially viable product. They put a show on Vice. If my memory serves me correctly, after one of those dark side shows and lost most of the audience. I think I read they got 40,000 viewers. Uh, No wonder Vice did no further deal. Yes. So the complaint alleges that the the Levitson call happened in June. The 40,000 viewers Fightland special is in October. I'm sure there will be debate about that. Um, yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm looking forward to the, to the responses here. Um, I think WWE's, or MLW is definitely treating this as a branding opportunity, though, to sort of rally wrestling fans, many of whom have negative feelings about WWE. Uh, 
and and I, as we just demonstrated, and I've demonstrated a number of times, uh, the popularity of WWE has diminished over the last five years or so. I think that's a, that is a fair statement. It's a statement. It's an argument that I've made a number of times with data. Um, so there's there's diminishing popularity of WWE. There is a lot of wrestling fan sentiment of dissatisfaction with WWE. I think without that, you don't have an AEW, by the way. Um, so I think MLW is using this as an opportunity to brand itself as this kind of anti-WWE alternative. So they had, they had the press release ready to go. So um, who is defending MLW? We know it's, it's pro- we don't know this for sure. It's probably going to be Jerry McDivitt from KL Gates. By the way, as, as I, I used to think, Jim McDivitt is not. I don't think he has ever been a WWE employee. He is. He's merely the uh, the the attorney of choice. He is. Uh, he works for KNL Gates, but he has always been the. Uh, he's often been the lawyer who defends uh, WWE in its various uh, lawsuits. So, who's defending, or who's I'm not defending? Who's representing um, MLW here? Well, this is being litigated in California, so we need a California lawyer. And then who's signing this uh, complaint is Jason S. Takanuchi from Caswitz Benson Torres. And uh, also signing this complaint is Mark E. Kasowitz with ProHack Viche forthcoming. This means he's probably not a you know certified lawyer in California, but he's uh, he's, he's applying for ProHack Viche, which will allow him to temporarily, I believe, uh, you know, practice law in California, as well as Christine A. Montenegro. Who, judging by her promo photo, is one of the scariest people I've ever seen. Um, many, many intimidating lawyers here for Catswitz, Catswitz, Benson, Torres, and but so who is who is Mark Catswitz? Are you familiar with this person, Chris Cole? Do you have do you have acquaintances? We're familiar. With yeah, I have acquaintances that, that are familiar with him. Uh, he is uh, he has defended the former president of the United States, Donald Trump. He has he has been a a long time. Uh, legal representative of Donald J. Trump Jr., right? Uh, he has defended Trump in bankruptcy, in divorce, in Russia collusion. I mean, who, who you know, everybody's gone through bankruptcy, divorce, and Russia collusion. So, you know, those three things. Uh, he resigned as uh, as Trump's uh, lawyer in the in the Russia collusion case in July 2017, shortly after there were, th- I don't know if that this was cause and effect here, but it coincided with, with the timing of threatening emails from him being published by ProPublica, where he's using profanities and so forth. So he has some issues, apparently. Um, but but Kasowitz is, is a big uh, Republican donor and Trump donor. Uh, we can see his FEC record from the last several years where he's donating to Trump victory and to the Republican National Committee and to Tim Scott, who's a Republican uh, senator. Um, so he's a, he's a big uh, political contributor, including to Trump and Republican causes. Do we know anyone else in the world who comes to mind in, in WrestleMania's conversations? Who is a big Trump supporter, organizer, contributor to Republican causes? Anyone come to mind here? That would be one Linda McMahon. Oh, Linda McMahon, who served in the cabinet for, for Donald Trump uh, in the first half of his presidency as the small business administrator. I've got the, uh, the memorable picture of Vince and Linda and Donald uh, in the White House, in the Oval Office. Um, so is there... But but nonetheless, Kasowitz, who's been a Trump associate, is is suing WWE. I mean, Linda's not. I mean, Linda has uh, no uh, employment with with WWE anymore. She she still does own over half a million shares in WWE, which is 
and and she does have class B shares, so she has some voting control. Of course, Vince has the vast majority of that voting control, so like eighty percent. Um, but Linda owns a lot of stock in WWE. Um, she's she's behind Stephanie in in terms of the number of shares, but she's other than financial institutions, she's probably the number three holder of shares well, for what this is worth. I don't know, but what's what's been happening with Casswitz lately? Well, you can see in the Washington Post in September. Um, Kasowitz was uh, serving as uh, an attorney for Trump in an answer in a defamation suit uh, related to Mary Trump, uh, but he dropped out. Reasons the Washington Post did not know did not know why. Uh, and this is a story about Trump getting a a new lawyer in the case. Um, and then in in December, there is this story about another billionaire named Isaac. Perlmutter, his wife, Laura Perlmutter, is suing the Caswitz firm, Caswitz Benson Torres, uh, for what she called frivolous claims made against the couple in their decade-long spat with a neighbor in a swanky Florida condominium complex. Um, so we have one billionaire, billionaire's wife, Laura Perlmutter, suing the the Caswitz firm. Uh, we have Caswitz dropping out of a Trump case for what reason? Who knows? Could be innocuous. Uh, is uh, is there trouble afoot here? There's also what is the story about this Canadian businessman? Um, so who is Isaac Perlmutter? He is the head of Walt Disney's Marvel unit. Um, mm -hmm. The Caswitz firm spent years unsuccessfully trying to prove, according to this article from Bloomberg, unsuccessfully trying to prove Laura Perlmutter and her husband. Uh, Isaac used a hate mail campaign to tarnish the reputation of millionaire Canadian businessman Harold Peeringboom, if that's how you pronounce it, his name, uh, in a feud over tennis courts. So, is is there trouble in Trump world that maybe there's some sort of rift here, maybe between Kasowitz and ultimately Linda? There's no evidence of that, but one could speculate. Uh, but who knows? What we what we've got here is MLWs, which is not. Uh, a huge company. It does have investors, which we'll talk about. But MLW is not a huge company. It has a a lawyer in in Mark Kasowitz and and his firm. Who, who knows if it's if it's Kasowitz himself who will be writing the arguments? But we, there's certainly two other attorneys who are signing this complaint: uh, Jason Takanucci and Christine Montenegro. So uh, one would think that the services of Kasowitz Benson Torres are very expensive if they're being used by people like Donald Trump. Uh, we also have not mentioned yet that Kasowitz has defended Bill O'Reilly through his sexual harassment uh, allegations. So so either Kasowitz is taking this on contingency, which means MLW is not paying very much up front, and Kasowitz, the Kasowitz firm will collect what, 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 what monetary gains uh, they make if they are, if there is a judgment in their favor. Um, or, or maybe MLW is just paying for it. I don't know where they, you know, it's, it sounds like this would be really expensive for a company of their scale, though, to have their services. Uh, at a minimum, though, this Casswitz firm, which is a, a very uh, high-profile law firm, probably believes that there's a, a strong case here on MLW's side. Um, maybe, too, Casswitz is noticing that in October, W made a settlement with uh, the, the class, class action lawsuit. Uh, that is related to the Saudi Arabia uh, Mina TV rights deal. Um, w settled in that case to the tune of three point six five million dollars with shareholders. So basically, if you're if you were a shareholder between a certain period, 
um, the class period, you were entitled to a certain amount of money per share that you held during that period. Uh, WB is not actually paying anything, anything directly because of the settlement, but their insurance is going to cover it. Um, the reason why you try to avoid settling is because it sends a message that if you come and sue us, we might settle. Maybe, uh, maybe the lawyers are smelling blood here. Uh, w has shown that they're willing to settle. The reason why they settled could be in this case in the in the uh, the Mina TV rights deal. By the way, it's just to, just to back up and explain what we're talking about here. The Mina TV rights deal. Uh, in the Barrios era, a couple of years ago, WB missed its financial guidance. Basically, they told investors that hey, we're gonna we're gonna hit a certain amount of profitability for the year. They ended up missing on that because that was contingent on their ability to complete a Middle East North Africa TV deal. That TV deal did not get completed. Still to this day, has not been completed. WB was in negotiation with MBC, Middle East Broadcasting Company, I believe is what that stands for, which is a company that, as a result of the Riyadh shakedown uh, shortly after uh, Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman came to power, the Saudi government owns the majority of that company. Um, however, there's there's a company not called Quibi. I forget what it's called. Be out Q, something like that, uh, that is pirating W content, which is, I believe, funded by the Qatari government. And they're sort of trolling the Saudi government by allowing this uh, be out Q to, to be out there and pirating ver various content. So anyway, the incentive for NBC to make a favorable deal with WE is not high, considering it sounds like you can get access to, the, to this pirated content already uh, in the region. So W never made a deal here with NBC or any other Middle East North Africa TV partner. Now they could have fought this case harder, this class action uh, lawsuit. So in this class action lawsuit was uh, filed because the argument is that shareholders were misled about profitability uh, when they, they should have, you know, they were misled and they should have had more information disclosed to them. Um, so WB settled probably rather than let this case go to discovery where there would be sensitive documents related to the relationship between WWE and Saudi Arabia uh, would be disclosed. Um, the, the, the complaint alleges all sorts of things about uh, everything from the, the, the talent being stranded in Riyadh. Uh, that story in October, 2019, I believe is, is that was not February, 2020, right? That was October, 2019. Um, there's allegations in that lawsuit that there was some sort of disagreement between Vince McMahon and Mohammed bin Salman. Uh, you know, that would have had to been backed up by by evidence and that would have had to go, go through discovery. And who knows if there's any truth to that or not. But WWE did not want to allow documents or other evidence related to that case to be publicized. So rather than do that, let's let our insurers pay just over three and a half million dollars. So. After that happens, maybe, maybe Caswitz smells blood. Um, is there a, a, a Trump connection here? Is there a Linda connection here or a rift with Linda? I don't know. But uh, who owns MLW? Uh, this is this is an old article that's almost four years old now. But a 2018 18 article in the Albany Business Review on bizjournals.com, uh, it does a profile on MLW, and it refers to uh, seven investors at that time. Uh, who, who at that time had invested roughly $1 million. Uh, and, and those investors included uh, 
Kevin O'Connor, who was named as the former CEO of First Light Fiber. Uh, Hermes Ames, Ames, the former president and CEO of Upstate New York region of Fleet National Bank. Uh, a then 21-year-old investor named Christian Fontenot and, and others who Corp uh, Bauer met through uh, Bobby Hennes, who was a producer, maybe still is, I don't know, for MLW, who is the son of Bob Hennes. Apologies if I'm not pronouncing these names correctly. Uh, who who is the partner and managing director of an investment advisory company called Hugh Johnson Advisors in Albany? Uh, Bob also serves or served at least as the board chairman. He is not an investor, according to the article. And the article says that quote the bulk of the financing is still from the Albany region. They're open to accepting more. Uh, also plausible. What I'm getting to here is that also plausible that maybe one of these investors has a connection to Casowitz and. Uh, and through that connection, Kaswitz is representing them in this case. That is also plausible, uh, although not as intriguing, perhaps, as Trump world drama. So I think there's all those things. Yeah. Real quick, uh, when it comes to Trump world drama, um, and, and this is Wikipedia, so take it for what it's worth. But according to the Kaswitz Wikipedia uh, him and his spouse have donated the Republican Party and Trump's campaign, but they've also donated to Barack Obama, Joe Biden, Chuck Schumer, and Harry Reid. Yeah, that that appears to be well in the past. This is what we have here on the screen it are all of his contributions that show up in the FEC record from September, late September 2017 and onward. And they all appear to be Republican associated or Trump for what it's worth. Well, whatever. I mean, who knows? why people donate what money they do uh but uh or if they they change their p- political affiliation over time but yeah that's that's i think that's all the information i have about the um the mlw suit um if anyone has any questions if you have any questions or anything any any other lines of uh, of thought you want to you want to raise here go for it um just one thing i saw in the the chat is a couple of people brought up about the Perspective talent could have been Shane Strickler and Matt Riddle, but they both signed before 2020. And I've been was doing some research while you were doing that. I can't find anybody from MLW other than Harry Smith that would have signed in the 2020 time frame. He wasn't signing a lot of people in 2020. Part of what's alleged in the complaint, too, is that they signed people, but it's almost contradictory. They signed people and they also would not sign people who worked for for MLW, you know, to sort of like block them out. Yeah, who knows? Anything else for this week? Nothing else. Nothing else from my end. Uh, we are all caught up in super chats too. So cool. Thank you. Thank you to everyone for your generous super chats. We appreciate that a lot. Um, there weren't any really big stories this week as I'm, as I'm scanning my brain. I know we already referred to the Toronto star story, which I think, you know, I think we've covered it enough by sort of mentioning it in passing. Um, but yeah, uh, I did I did the uh, the Thursday live TV ratings talk already. If you want to hear about TV ratings for the past week, that is on the WrestleNomics YouTube channel, which you may be listening to uh, us through right now. Um, that is already out there. Uh, the audio is out there for patrons as well. Uh, please hit the thumbs up, like, share, and subscribe. That helps people find uh, this YouTube channel. Uh, and again, new merchandise, new mugs. New t-shirts. First time there's ever been t-shirts, by the way, for WrestleNomics in its history. There have been mugs. We have some mugs already, but this this is big. T-shirts. Again, store.postwrestling.com should be available right now. Um, 
There's a WrestleOnyx channel in the Post Wrestling Discord that you can participate in. We thank uh, Post Wrestling for, for supporting us and distributing this podcast, as always. And uh, what's new with you, Chris Cole? You can uh, catch up on all the previous podcasts in RTI Pod. Uh, we did a nice deep dive uh, in the NWA uh, between uh, – 2017 recently as well as the ring of honor ccw war and uh we're working on our next uh, topic which will be out later this month so check us out rta pod on twitter rediscovering indies on instagram and facebook and uh, as always you can subscribe if you're not already subscribed five dollars a month to patreon.com slash wrestlenomics you get my tv ratings reports that come out nearly every day you get access to the wrestlenomics viewership spreadsheet you get access to the audio of the live tv ratings talk and you can follow us on twitter at brandon thurston at wrestlenomics at chris Gullo at RGI pod. And uh, we will talk to everyone next time. Thanks for listening. Bye.